some uh, buckwheat Zydeco. Good stuff. You can't help but feel good listening to Zydeco music. I don't care. That, the, yeah, I know. I know you don't, Ben. That's okay. Just trying to bring a little bit of that joy into your life. In the meantime, we, uh, from Summer Sports, we got our buddy Eric Eager joining us uh, on the hotline. Eric, how you doing today, man? What's going on? Bill, I'm doing great. Uh, I, I, I thought yesterday couldn't have been better, but uh, it, it gave us a lot of everything, didn't it? It uh, it did in many different ways. I mean, obviously the Packers have a, a schedule with still five primetime games, some regional games, and there's still a big draw. Obviously, everybody's paying attention to New York and the Jets and that rough gauntlet they've got to start off. Uh, the NFL gave San Francisco a little bit of an easier start to the schedule to get their quarterback uh, back underneath them. So uh, interesting stuff in many lights. What do you, When you started to look at the schedules as they came out, was there anything that stood out to you? Uh, there's a lot of NFC North games being played at the end, right? Especially for a team like Detroit, they get Minnesota and Minnesota in, in the last three weeks of the year. Um, you know, even Chicago, I think, uh, you know, they opened them up with Green Bay. To me, I feel like that's a, that's a prove-it game for one of the young quarterbacks, right? And it gets one of them off to a 1-0 start, which I think is good. Um, the Kansas City Chiefs last year who had the – you know, what many people believe the hardest schedule coming out and uh, have a much easier slate, in my opinion. And then, you know, the the, the league really does believe in the Lions. And, and it's funny. I, I think that, um, you know, Detroit still has a lot to prove. Um, but right now, you know, that team is, is, is one that's a darling in the media. The uh, the Lions, let me, they're kind of the enigma right now because we saw them have a resurgence last year. They started to play better football. They beat the Packers, walked off the field with nothing to play for. They beat the Packers knocked the Packers out of the postseason, had some things to say to Aaron Rodgers after the game. Are, are they the team to beat in the NFC North, or is it still the Minnesota Vikings, in your opinion? No, it, it's, it's, it's very much Detroit. I mean, when you look at the betting markets, and, you know, I, I, I said this maybe a couple weeks ago, uh, and, and I think it's true. I think the Packers are really undervalued there. But, but when you look at Detroit, Detroit's about even money uh, to win the division, which, by the way, this is the first time, Bill, since, 1992 that Detroit's been favored to win any division and the first time they've ever been favored to win the NFC North and they're plus 140 Packers are plus 330 it was five to one a couple days ago Vikings are seven to two Bears are seven to two so it's very much Detroit's division to win um and you know a lot of it is just because of where they're strong I mean they're strong at the line of scrimmage both sides of the ball with Aiden Hutchinson coming on last year uh, they, they shored up a secondary with Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Cam Sutton, and, and uh, Emmanuel Mosley. Uh, and then in the draft, I didn't like their draft from a long-term standpoint. Running back linebacker uh, is, is never really a solid way to go in round, in round one. But in year one, those two positions will help them. Um, and, mm-hmm. and, and then you add to that up the wide receiver and, and how good Goff can be with Ben Johnson. Keeping both their coordinators uh, a big step as well for them. Okay, so what are the what what would be the realistic expectations as a Packers fan sitting here today, looking forward to this upcoming season? Uh, I know Vegas has them at seven and a half. You obviously look at the odds and the statistics. What do you feel is a fair season for the Green Bay Packers this year? Yeah, I think I'm a little higher just because I think the schedule works out really well for them. When you look at 
you know, the number of, you know, they do have primetime games, but they're, they're, they're nicely nestled in there. And then you have a, a middle of the season stretch where, you know, you could have, you know, Vikings, Rams, Steelers, Chargers, Lions, all looks hard, you know, at first blush. But what is, just the way that the league works, two or three of those teams are going to be bad. Uh, and, and, they, and they get the teams at the beginning of the year, Falcons, Bears, Saints, that are going to be taking, I think, a while to acclimate. So even though they have a lot, you know, going against them, I think there's a couple things that, you know, if I were betting, I would bet over seven and a half, which is we all talked about their defense last year. And generally speaking, defenses that are young and, 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 and up and coming are a year late. And so I think that people who are all high on the Packers defense last year are going to sort of see the fruits of that labor this year uh, with with the with the walkers and stuff like that coming coming into form, and and then with Jordan Love, like look, I people d- dismiss Matt Lafleur. Matt Lafleur obviously won 13 games his first three years. He took Rodgers from a position where Rodgers was thought of as being a little over the hill. He got him to two MVPs. I think people are underestimating his ability to get Jordan Love up to a a representable spot as a team starting quarterback, uh, and and then add to that, I think you know growth and maturation of guys like Dobbs and Watson. Do you feel that uh, the question was put to me earlier today, and I don't necessarily feel this way, but do you feel that we are now going to see the most pure form of Matt LaFleur in that offense, kind of, you know, the, the, the offshoot of the Shanahan offense, because everybody seemed to feel that under Aaron Rodgers, it was more Rodgers input, more Rodgers wants than it was actually having Matt LaFleur's purest form of offense. I don't necessarily believe all of that, but there is something to be said for the knowledge that, that, that Rodgers had versus just running the play that, that you're going to see from Jordan Love. Yeah, I, I think so. I think that, you know, when Rodgers was really good in 2020, he was not quite as good in 21, even though he won the MVP. It's kind of weird to say. I think in 2020 was the one year where he said, fine, I guess I'll, I'll adhere to this offense. His, his time to throw went down by like a quarter of a second. You know, when he hit that back foot. Now, Robert Tanyan being hurt in 2021 and, you know, not effective in 22, I think hurt him. But like those boot plays with the tight ends, you know, when you, when you run play action, a hard play action that they like to run, and you stick your foot in the ground and you throw to that first read, which is a tight end on the crosser, like, I think that those are things that Rodgers really leaned into as a good soldier in 2020 and why he was, you know, that was his most effective season ever, really, other than maybe 2011. And, and you know, now that they got the tight ends in the draft and they and they have a guy like Love who will hit his back foot and use that, you know, physical ability he has, I think there's, there's some upside to this offense in just a guy, you know, coloring between the lines uh, in an offense that I think is well-constructed. Talking with the VP of Summer Sports, our buddy Eric Eager joining us on the hotline. Give me your thoughts on the Minnesota Vikings. They have got uh, unbelievably a, a wealth of talent over on the offensive side of the football. They just have to make sure that that offensive line is shored up. But defensively speaking, they cut a little bit of dead wood. They still have a, quite a few of those guys remaining, and the defense seemed to be the problem down the stretch last year. How good or or not will Minnesota be? Yeah, Minnesota defensively was awful by the time the season ended. And, like, it was only really curbed by the fact they got a lot of turnovers. Guys like uh, Patrick Peterson were effective. Um, you know, Zadarius Smith is still on the roster, but I don't think he's going to, you know, end up there. It's Hunter and, and Davenport. I, I don't know if they're going to be good enough defensively. Um, the offense is in the NFC, though, and this is why Minnesota won 13 games last year. They're just not going to make you pay as much as the offense in the AFC would have. 
So you go to the other side of the ball. I think Jordan Addison's a good pick. They really, really struggled if teams took away Jefferson, and that's why the, the Hawkinson acquisition was so beneficial for them. I do think they're going to be able to move it. Now, there's a couple things that, that work against them. Firstly, Kirk Cousins, uh, this is the, you know, even though this is the first time he's going to have a coordinator or a play caller for the second consecutive year in, in Kevin O'Connell, he's the second, like, oldest quarterback starting in the NFL right now. Mm -hmm. uh, he saw some arm strength issues last year. Uh, you know, I, I just think offensive line and depth behind Jefferson, while improved in both cases, are going to end up being the Vikings' downfall. And there's always a ceiling with Cousins. There's never that you can never they've never been able to quite get above that in, in Minnesota. And I think uh, that the, he might regress a little bit too much from a, an age factor for them to be you know good enough to really compete the way that they want to. What is the defensive coordinator, Brian Flores? Uh, they made the change. They bring in Brian Flores as a D.C. What does he bring to the table that would make make you think that this defense will be better? You know, it, it's a good question. I think schematically he's much more of a man guy, you know, a man coverage guy, which is harder to, to pull off than the zone guy that they had, you know, that Ed Donatel they had last year. Right. Uh, and you had more interceptions. They did draft players, right? So Andrew Booth last year was a corner never really stayed healthy, but has some talent out of Clemson. Caleb Evans is, it was pretty good when healthy, but he had three concussions last year. And then this year they went Mackay Beckton, Blackman, sorry, from USC, Jay Ward from LSU uh, in the secondary. Um, can they, you know, can those guys acclimate to a man coverage scheme quickly enough? It helps that the offenses in the NFC are not particularly good. Uh, but to me, like, they, it, to me, I think what, what Brian Flores presents is a high ceiling. If all those guys hit, they're going to be a good defense. The, the floor, though, is, is really low because if a lot of the, if those guys can't cover, um, it's not going to be pretty. Real quick before I let you go, then there's the Bears, and that is <laughs> Justin Fields trying to get it done and trying not to get killed. Uh, obviously, hurt got hurt last year uh, running the football quite a bit. They've tried to upgrade the offensive line. They've tried to give them some more weapons, but where are the Bears? Uh, it's all. It all depends upon uh, on Justin Fields and whether he can be a better passer. We we seen at the NFL level, you can do some really really cool stuff. You can stay in games, and they were very competitive at times last year. You can stay in games if your quarterback can run, um, but you can't win if your quarterback can't throw. And so I like the DJ Moore acquisition. I you know, I, I still think Claypool and Mooney are good players for them on on the offensive line. Uh, you know, they do get right who plays right tackle. Um, but the, my issue with them is, you know, at, at edge and at left tackle places, we you know very valuable positions in the NFL. There are big question marks for them. Eric, great stuff as always. We'll get you on uh, as the season or as the off season starts to culminate and we get uh, closer to training camp. We'll touch base again then. Okay. Perfect, Bill. Have a good one. Appreciate it, pal. Talk to you soon. There you go. Eric Eager from Summer Sports, the VP of Summer Sports at S-U-M-E-R at Summer Sports. You can find Eric over on Twitter as well, at Eric Eager, E-A-G-E-R. Both of them, uh, easy ways to find him, but good stuff from him as always uh, as well. But just a lot of speculation in the NFC North. Uh, some will say, like me, knock off the Vikings and take the North, and then I won't believe that the Vikings are a good football team. But uh, but the Lions, Lions continue to get better. And I really thought the Lions would go down after they got rid of Hawkinson last year. And it said it was just the opposite. The offense started to take off. The defense started to play better. They really bought in to what Dan Campbell was saying over there. They became kind of a smash-mouth football team, got more physical, played hard. And, uh, and look what they did at the end of the season. They, uh, they played for pride, and they got it. And that's something 
much like when you look at the the way the Packers, you know, kind of finished uh, strong the year prior. They ended up winning four straight, beating uh, the Bears, and then they come back the next year, and all of a sudden they find themselves in the playoffs and on on a run uh, towards uh, towards the championship. So sometimes you can carry over if you keep the band together. You can carry over that enthusiasm from the end of the season, looking forward to the next. Uh, and it's hard to do, but you can do it in the NFL. 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. Got to give it up to our friends at Point Brewing. Up in Stevens Point, uh, love them up there. And they uh, you know, have jumped on board and said, hey, let's, let's do this. And uh, we're glad to have them here. Not only did uh, they come on board with Point and Stevens Point in the brewery, but they sent a hell of a sign that's been behind me now for the last couple of weeks, and the Point Brewing sign with the Bill Michaels Show in neon. I've never had my uh, name in neon before, so that's kind of cool. Thanks to them for being a part of the program, and thanks to them for supporting our motorcycle ride for Fisher House, Wisconsin. Good stuff there. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. show back at it enjoying the day today i am i'm just enjoying the time it's a friday feels like a friday today this portion of the program and i don't think it's going to happen tonight but uh, if you're heading down to the ball game down to american family field maybe uh, before or after you stop over to potawatomi hotel casino go to paysbig.com you can go into the dream dance steakhouse get a cocktail at the 360 bar Play little slots if you want to do that. You can do that. Maybe you can go into the sports book. Put a little bit down on that Brewers game. Who knows? You know, could walk away with some uh, some nice uh, cash in a pocket. Go to PaysBig.com. That is PaysBig.com. And uh, tell them we sent you. Anywhere down there, just shout it out. Just say, I heard it on the Bill Michael Show. And you're good to go. Pottawatomie Hotel Casino. Thanks to them, not only for being a part of the program, but they are also huge supporters of our veterans cause which is our motorcycle ride coming up on sunday september 3rd write that on your calendar if you know anybody that rides a motorcycle beside yourself tell them about it say hey we're sunday september 3rd we're going to start out down at the harley davidson museum downtown milwaukee and uh, from there we're going to go on a nice little countryside tour we're going to have a great time big party after the fact and the pre-registration is most likely going to go up with an announcement coming Monday or Tuesday, and I'm looking forward to that. We're just putting all our ducks in a row. Once we do, once we do, it's going to be good. It's going to be a lot of fun. But uh, Potawatomi's been a, a part of it now the last couple of years, and we got to say thanks to them. They're good people over there. Good people over there. Uh, Chuck says, what if, and that's a big if, Joe Barry does so well, and the defense is off the charts, that he is a head coaching target in the offseason? <laughs> I'm sorry. Chuck, I don't mean to laugh at your question. It just, I don't know. Barry haters get their wish, but he may have finally found a setup that works in this system. You know, I don't, I don't dislike Joe Barry. I, let me say that. I, I don't. I, I listen to Joe Barry and I listen to him talk and there are times that I will roll my eyes. There are times that I will say, yeah, right. But that's philosophically speaking as far as the defense goes. 
Uh, I would like to see the defense be more aggressive. I would like to see guys be put in positions to be successful, such as Jair playing more man than sitting back as a high-paid paperweight in a zone. Um, I would like to see Darnell Savage Jr. be used properly. And I'd like to see Darnell Savage have a better season, just in general. But I, I, I don't know what to expect out of the Joe Barry defense. I think not only myself, but a lot of people have been heavily critical and many people thought that after the season that would have been it for Joe Barry. Um, but Matt LaFleur hung on to him. We know that. I don't wish him ill will. As a matter of fact, I wish success because I would love to see this defense be fortified enough to where um, to where – how do I put this? To where you could actually have – Support for Jordan Love. That's probably the best way to put it. But I don't wish ill will on, on Joe Barry. That's for sure. But when you say if he gets a head coaching job, I'm kind of like, Aah. the trend now anyway is not going with uh, older veteran coaches. The trend now, right now, for hiring of head coaches is to find guys off of the Shanahan tree and to go younger and innovative. And that's kind of where, you know, people are looking. I, I still wonder at what point Bill Belichick calls it a career. I wonder if Belichick gets into the postseason, win or lose in the postseason. I wonder if he gets into the postseason and says, okay, I, I showed you I can do it with somebody besides, um, you know, Tom Brady. And now I'm in the postseason, and now the team's in a good place, and I'm going to go ahead and step down. I wonder because Bel- how old is Belichick? Ben, he's in his is he early seventies now? I'll look it up. Yeah, I think he's in his early seventies. Seventy one. Seventy one. Seventy one. You wonder how much longer he's going to go. You thought you he was turning the dog the the job over to his dog a couple of years ago when he did the draft in COVID and he had his dog sitting at the dinner table. <laughs> so, Saban is also seventy one, and they seem like two dudes that'll. Well, Belichick is close to the record, I think, right. for all time wins. So I'd figure he'd get that. Then Saban and Belichick go off and and they'll fish. Um, can you see them doing that together? I have seen them do it together. The the, com- the competitiveness of those two. Oh, did you ever Suddenly watch you... the the HBO mini documentary where they put them two in a room together and just talk football? No, I saw highlights of it. I never saw the whole thing because I didn't have HBO. I will say this. Oh, it's incredible. Do you think those two guys go against the other two guys out of Ohio? And uh, if they get beat by the guys in Ohio, does the competitive nature take over and they start stuffing weights in their fish? Well, they wouldn't get beat. I don't think Belichick and Saban have ever been second best at anything. Right, right. Yeah, he'll probably get the record and then uh, call it a career. Well, how many more wins does he have to go to get the record? Do you know off the top of your head? No, I'm looking it up. Okay. Because if it's like five, then you would assume that this might be or next year might be his last season. Don Shula has 328. Yeah. Greg Hallis has 318. Belichick has 298. So maybe oh, he'll so maybe he'll pass at least George a couple Hallis. years. Yeah. Yeah, Three he's years. got at least a couple years. Three years, yeah. So maybe he goes till he's 75. 
I mean, what else maybe is he, he going to do? His yeah. son's already there. Right? Yeah, maybe three more years if he can get the wins. Now, I mean, here's the other thing. With the way you play your divisional schedule, it, you know, he's got Mac Jones. Everybody else, they got Tua, Aaron Rodgers, and that's if Aaron Rodgers plays more than a year, but Aaron Rodgers and Josh Allen. That's a, you know, when you're facing six teams, six teams out of your schedule, leaving you 11 teams to get the wins on, that's a that's a tough road too. And it, look at it this way. When you think about that division, and I know people think that it's, it's and I believe still that it's Buffalo's to lose, but if you get a full season out of Tua, look at his numbers last year. His numbers were really good when he was healthy. He he was everything they wanted him to be. The problem is is that he he got hit in the head more than a few times and ended up going down with a concussion protocol. And now I, I guess the biggest concern for Miami is what happens if he gets hit two or three times again this year? I mean, before it even really gets going, his career could be over. Because now, I mean, after th- that whole debacle, when he got hit in Buffalo or hit in Miami against Buffalo, got up, was clearly out on his feet. Clearly out on his feet. Gets up, plays the rest of the game. They said, no, it was a back issue or a knee issue or something, leg issue. And then he plays Thursday. Four days later, plays Thursday and gets beat up again by Cincinnati to the point where he's, you know, doing the Westies gang sign on the field because he's tensed up and his body's locking up after he hits his head. And then, you know, I mean, I don't know how many more head hits that guy can take. Having two pretty severe concussions within the span of four days, that had to do some damage. I mean, we don't know until after, unfortunately, after guys pass, as to whether or not they have CTE or whether or not they have, you know, brain issues. But that had to do, you just figure it had to do something. And then he got another one against the, the Packers. And he never came back from that after being cleared. So it was, it's, it's like two is a, it turned, turned out to be a decent quarterback, better than I thought he would be. But then again, they gave him all the weapons of the world to be successful. And picking up Tariq Hill, and now they had Ramsey over in the defense, and they've they've given him weapons, they've given him a defense, they they keep stockpiling and supplying talent down there. But God, it's just man, you just wait for the next time that guy takes a hit to the head, he may never play again, you know. Uh, Gary says, by the way, uh, Mike Florio told Dan Patrick this morning that he doesn't even think the Jets are going to make the playoffs. I think we all hope they don't. You know, we we hope they're, you know, 15th or better in the NFL draft and that Aaron Rodgers plays right to, the, right to the bitter end. Packers get their draft choice. You know, who knows what the Jets will do. We don't really don't care. But I think we're rooting for Rodgers to have success, the Jets not to have success, and the Packers to play decent. Can you imagine? Let's just say this. Can you imagine if the Packers don't have a successful season? They could say six wins. They're drafting in the top five. Five or six wins. Drafting in probably in the top five. And then say the Jets also don't make it to the playoffs, have, you know, a nine-win season or eight-win season, and they end up drafting 14. Can you imagine the Packers having, say, the fifth and the 14th draft choices overall going into next season? 
Now, I don't root for failure. Don't get me wrong. I just don't. I, I want to see the Packers succeed all the time. But that's, that's not a bad scenario. Then again, I, I, as I've always said, you're banking on guys that have never played a snap in the NFL to somehow come in and fortify your team. But you know what that screams, first, Bill? That, what's do you it? hear the music? Starting, Does that scream starting rebuild? Awfully quiet. No. No, no, no. They get a high pick with their own. Let's say the Jets even stumble their way into the top five with Rodgers playing all the time. And love stinks. You put all those things together. Fire the DC. I don't care. That's Caleb Williams music that's starting to play under the yeah. surface. Yep. All signs point to Caleb Williams. But that see, that's the next question. And that's that, that's an unbelievable conundrum because say love plays decent but not great. Packers don't win, defense, injuries, whatever. And you end up with a top five pick, and you end up with another first round pick. And here comes Caleb Williams or anybody else that you really covet coming into the the NFL draft. Oh, we got to so, get you in on Caleb. But first of all, the way he acted out there at USC, I <laughs> I, I I can't stand the guy. What an egomaniacal maniac! I just you know, I just I, I don't like him. But suppose his talents there. Now, do you do the same thing? Do you draft a quarterback? Or do you take, do you, would you, because you would probably have to package stuff up. You'd probably package up your fifth and a second or third for Caleb Williams. So if you're going to jump up, do you get him and then put him into the mix with Jordan Love? You know, would would you do that? Or would you say, no, we got Jordan Love. Now we're going to find him two, not one, but two first 15 weapons to throw to. Marvin Harrison from your Buckeyes. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was just getting ready to say, Marvin Harrison's going to be there. Do you go for Marvin Harrison? And now you've got Christian Watson, Romeo Dubs, Reed, Harrison, Samari Torre. I mean, suddenly you went from being bereft of talent to what you believe to be would be really good talent, a really good group of wideouts, and young. So now what do you do? That would be the that would be your conundrum because do you have the the play caller, or do you need the weapons around the play caller? What you know it what what cart before the horse type of question? What do you get? You know, many say you just you got to get the best player available, the best quarterback, because he can be your he can be your leader for the next decade. I, that's that's a great question. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy eight. That's only that, again we're playing a lot of what if here, right? Uh, I, I get it. We're playing a lot of what if here, but it's it's something you you think about, no doubt. Hey, our friends over there at Cruise Planners. Now, they plan cruises, but they also plan land vacations as well. So if you're looking to take a cruise, uh, I used to cruise all the time on Norwegian. Had a great time. It was a great cruise line. Go to all, uh, everything from Eastern Caribbean, Western Caribbean. We went to the uh, Pacific side all the way down to Acapulco. Uh, I've been down to many areas in Mexico and Cozumel and all that kind of stuff in, in all the private islands. It's a wonderful, wonderful time. Suppose you want to go to Italy or you want to go to... Greece or, you you know, wherever. Uh, you want to go to Germany. You want to go to France. They can plan all of that for you. Cruise planners, they can do it all. Call my buddy Kirk over there, 262-344-0697, anywhere 
anywhere in the continental U.S., he can help you out. Again, 262-344-0697. That's our friends at Cruise Planners. Again, 262-344-0697. Tell them we... Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is The Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.